This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey guys, if you're wondering what's going on here at Right From The Deep, here it is. Well, first, thank you, a sincere, and from the bottom of our hearts, thank you to our Patreon sponsors. We really couldn't do this without you guys. We appreciate you and the encouragement that your financial help is. And anybody who wants to find out more can go to patreon.com slash writefromthedeep. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash writefromthedeep. And it just so happens we have some openings now for Sponsor of the Month tier. So when you go to that link, you can take a look at what the different tiers are. Sponsor of the Month is announced on the podcast. So you get your name in the show and in the show notes with a link to your website or your latest book. You also get a badge and a blurb for the whole month on our website. And that gives you another link, basically, that stays there all the time for that whole month on our website. And um, links are nice, guys, out Outbound links and inbound links, links to your website or your latest book. Those are nice for your Google rankings. And the cost for being a sponsor of the month is $20 a month. So you not only get to support the show, but you get to count the cost as advertising. I mean, where else can you get a deal like this? <laughs> That's right. So check it out. And thank you also to Mike at Podcast PS. He is our wonderful sound editor and we love him. <laughs> he's, he's great at fixing our boo-boos. Amen. And, yes, he is a gifted sound guy. He's a musician and he also writes jingles. So any of you out there who needs editing or a jingle, check it out. You can find him at podcastps.com and we'll have a link in the show notes. It's my turn to share a wonder, and it's the perfect time of year to be doing that because I have in my yard so many trees and so many flowers, and they look so dead all during the winter. <laughs> and I was noticing the other day, we had a couple of weeks of nice weather uh, last week, and I was looking around and thinking, well, it's about time for things to start popping, and nothing was happening. So the next morning, I came out to feed my birds, and son of a gun, everything was popping. Boom! <laughs> One day it's not there, the next day it is, and it fills the world with color. I just love how that happens. God's rebirth every year to remind us that no matter how dark life gets, there's a good day coming and rebirth coming and color and joy. And I love that about him. Mm, yes. <laughs> and now... Here's the, the show. show. Welcome, listeners. We are so excited to have you here with us in the deep. And yay, we have a guest. And Karen gets to reveal our surprise mystery guest and introduce her. Our mystery guest is the amazing Debbie Maycomber. You know, the first time I became aware of Debbie, it was on a family vacation. I was with my parents and we were driving somewhere that it was a long trip. And I had picked up a book that looked like so fun. And um, Debbie and I think the title may have been My Funny Valentine. It was one of her Valentine books. And I was sitting in the back seat reading it and I was laughing out loud. And my mother finally reached back and plucked the book out of my hands and she started. <laughs> 
started reading it and then she was laughing out loud. And then the two of us, we just had a grand time on this trip, trading the book back and forth and talking about the characters. I thought my dad was going to pull over and put us out of the car with the book. (laughs) (laughs) So sometime after that, I was at a writer's conference and Debbie was there signing books and I was signing books and I screwed up my courage and I went over and thanked her because my mom had passed um, before we met and I told her how much that memory meant to me that memory of shared laughter and and just being able to play and have fun and it came through her book and and she was so gracious and so kind and so we became friends and I absolutely love this woman not just for her amazing talent at writing I mean if you think about it she's she's phenomenal as a writer she's a number one New York Times best-selling author one of today's most popular writers with more than 200 million copies of her books in print worldwide. In 22, she has all new hardcover publications coming out, one called The Best is Yet to Come in July and The Christmas Spirit in October. And of course, a new Christmas book. Debbie's Christmas books are legendary and several (laughs) of them have been crafted into Hallmark Channel movies. She's also the author of the best-selling Cedar Cove series, which the Hallmark Channel chose as basis for its first dramatic scripted television series. We are so delighted to have Debbie here. She is a legend to anyone who is a reader, and she is a servant to anyone who knows her in her heart and her love for God. Debbie, welcome. Oh, thank you, Karen. (laughs) See, I'm just downright friendly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are delighted that you're here with us. And so we want to ask you first, what does the deep mean to you? Well, that was such an interesting question, and I gave it a lot of thought. And for deep, and I'm thinking about the writing process itself, the deep means to me to connect with my Savior, with every story I write. I mean, long before I ever get an idea, I ask God for the idea. And then as I write the synopsis, I ask him to help me to make this book special in different ways. Now, I don't know if I've shared this with you before, but I I have a way of deciding which books, because I'm a storyteller. That's the gift God gave me. Mm. It has to be relevant to my reader. It has to be provocative. It has to be entertaining, because I'm not here to teach anybody anything. (laughs) It has to be realistic, and it has to be believable. And if the story idea aligns with those words, then I know I've got a good idea. So when I, I dig to the deep, it's when I start the writing process, first with the synopsis, and then every day with every chapter and every scene. Hmm. And that's digging in and connecting with my Savior to guide my writing. Hmm. Oh, I, I love that. that. <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever made that definition before. That's great. But it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I saw that... Um, you were talking on something called the Anchor Gathering. Can you tell us a little about the Anchor Gathering? Uh, The Anchor Gathering was started by my friend Katie Robertson, who lost her daughter. And as a result of the the death of this child, uh, she, she wanted to reach out as many women for Christ as possible. And so she started this gathering. And it, it was first, it was all uh, together in person. But with COVID, and this is mm. one of the benefits of COVID, it broke out into Zoom meetings and it spread all across the country. Mm. That's outstanding. Mm. What's the primary goal? 
Well, the primary goal is to introduce women in a friendly and uh, fun atmosphere and sharing anchor moments. That means the moments that you really felt you needed something in your life and that something was Jesus Christ. Amen. That's cool. You were going to talk. Did you already do that talk? When I saw the announcement about it, it was upcoming. Have you done it already? Yes. Yes, I did. It It actually aired in February. We can okay, put a well, link to that if we can, right. I think we can get I, that and put a link to that in the show notes for people who want to listen. I would really like to do that. But you were going to talk about writers and faith and how God gives us dreams and then uses those dreams in our life and in our writing. So how about if you unpack that a little for us? Well, I can tell you that I always wanted to be a writer, even from the time I can remember. But I have such an unusual background because I'm dyslexic. I didn't Mm. learn to read until the fifth grade. And I can remember the third grade teacher telling my mother, Debbie's a nice little girl, but she's never going to do well. And I I lived to uh, fulfill that in school. I mean, I really didn't do well in school. I struggled. I was always nearly at the bottom of my class. I feel fortunate to graduate from high school. The only time I ever told anyone I wanted to write books was the principal of our high school right before I graduated. She did an interview with each one of those girls. It was a Catholic girls school and asked me what I wanted to do for my future. And I told her, I want to write books. And she had this kind of pitying look in her eye. And she didn't She didn't say the words, but the message I got was, you need to think about something in line with your intelligence level. Oh, dear. And in fact, she sent me home for the rest of the day for me to think about this. Wow. But that that dream would not go away. When I talk about this at writers conferences, I talk about how if you hurt yourself or burn yourself, that pain will throb. But when I thought about writing books, I throbbed with joy. Mm. That happy anticipation would come over me and story ideas would pop into my head. And I just couldn't let go of that dream. But I was afraid. I was very afraid because I'd had nothing but failure in my life. I mean, I married as a teenager. Mm. And Wayne and I had the four babies. And, uh, Mm. you know, here was this dream. And it was only after I met Jesus Christ that I had the courage Hmm. to do it. You know, it's amazing to me if you sit, I mean, I sit here and I'm thinking about all the lives you've touched through your stories. And you say you're not here to teach anybody, but God teaches through the words that you put on the page. God takes those stories, which you tell so well, that draw us in and immerse us in those characters. And he uses those stories to show us ourselves and to show us our need for him. That's that's the beauty of writing, like you said, with Christ at every angle. And you know that those people were placed in your path, those naysayers were placed in your path by Satan because he knew what was coming. He knew what God wanted to do with you, and he made every effort to kill that dream before it could ever come to fruition. Mm. How good of God not to let that die. That is just so amazing to me. Wow. That You know, that's so true that uh, God did prepare the way for me. And as I look back on my life, I can see it in every step. I, I can tell you, I shared this story at writers' conferences. Uh, the One of the propelling reasons that I started writing 
uh, was that there was a death in our family. A cousin mm. I had grown up with that I was very close to died of cancer. Mm. And when I visited him at the hospital, I got lost and I asked a doctor, how do I get from here to there? And he says, go down the hallway, all the way to the end, take the first right and walk through the door marked absolutely no admittance. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we have to do when we're following our dreams. We have to be willing to walk through that door. Wow. And not just that, but I cannot believe that you were so brave to tell that principal what your dream was and what you wanted to do. And she stomped on you. I mean, <laughs> she... Oh, she lived long enough to see my published books, which is oh, great. Did she? <laughs> yeah, she did. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm so impressed. And that's just a testimony, I think, to God and the dream that he gave you. But that, just that kind of overcoming the discouragement, I know that there are untold amount of listeners out there who are going to hear that and say, you know what? Somebody did that to me too. My husband, my kid, my neighbor, my whoever made me feel like I couldn't do this. I was brave and they, they squashed me. And, and look at you. <laughs> you're, you're the encouragement for them to, to stand up and move forward. Oh, I wish I could say I'm just so incredibly talented that I sold my way, but it was five years. I say that the, I joke around and I say the rejections came so fast, they hit me in the head on the way home to the post office. <laughs> <laughs> but what kept you going was that the dream. Now, like, how did you really know? Some of our listeners might be feeling like, well, I don't know if it's just me or if it's God telling me. What if it's what I want, but not what God wants? What What do you think about that? Well, I don't know, because I've, I've met so many writers that say God wants me to write. And who am I to say, you know, is it, if you have to have that passion. Yeah, And the dream that just won't let go, you have to be willing to continue besides rejection, besides discouragement. You know, um, if, if God really told somebody to be a writer and to write, he will show you the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there was a, I read a, a book with a Norma Vitz Appeal classic. Mm, yes. uh, yeah. Um, and so I would force myself to sit down and read a chapter after every rejection. And there was a, a saying in that book that I said every single morning, it was my prayer. I believe I am divinely guided. I believe I will always take the right turn on the road. I believe God will make a way where there is no way. And then I would start to write. Mm. You know what I love? That you're you're absolutely right. You were divinely guided. And and what I want our listeners to catch on this is that you were divinely guided through five years of rejection. Sometimes that's the path. It's five years or 10 years or 20 years of rejection, but that doesn't mean that he's not guiding you. It's just the path. Oh, there were a couple of times that were really dark moments before I published too. One was when uh, 
uh, we were a single income family and Wayne had been laid off and he came to me and he said, I can't make the car payment this month. I need you to get a job. Well, I knew I couldn't do it all. I couldn't be a writer. And, you know, uh, the kids were in sports and scouts and church and music and dance and, you know, all their different activities. And I knew I was going to have to give up that dream. And I couldn't even sleep that night. And um, Wayne woke up and he says, are you awake? And I said, you know, I believe I really could have made it as a writer, honey. I do, I think. <laughs> and and he said, do it. Go for it. I mean, uh, you know, it was another two and a half years before I sold. But wow. I had that wonderful support and oh, the yeah. belief. Wow. So how That's did you pay the car? We, you know, I started selling articles. I had to lease because I was taking $100 a month out of our family income. Gotcha. And then right before I sold, the, this was the darkest moment. Um, I had made enough money writing. For, I sold dozens of articles. Uh, I made enough money writing to attend my first writing conference. I, had, at this point, had never met another author in the world. <laughs> and they... Uh, uh, two of the editors that I've been submitting to were going to be at this conference and they had agreed, uh, one of them had agreed to read my manuscript. And when I attended the workshop, she said of the five manuscripts she had read, one showed promise. And I was sure it was me because I love this story. I really, really love this story. It, it wasn't. She had the whole room laughing at what she called the infeasibility of my plot. Oh, now, dear. I'm a storyteller. I knew I had to learn to be a writer, but if my story wasn't any good, then there was no hope. Mm. And when I went up to her afterwards, I said, if I rewrote this, would you be willing to look at it again? And even now, all these years later, I can remember that look that came over and she said, throw it away. (laughs) Oh, dear. Throw it away. Yeah. Wow. What did you do? I went home and sat up all night. (laughs) And I was praying and I was reading my devotion and the devotion for the day was John 14. Talk about divinely guided. Do you know what the first verse is? Let not your heart be troubled. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Lord. Funny, funny, funny. (laughs) And then he said, um, uh, the last verse, arise, let us go from here. I went back to the writer's conference to collect my uh, refund and they wouldn't give it to me. So I attended a, um, a, a kids workshop because everything I'd sold at this point had to do with the kids. Huh. And uh, they, uh, everybody got up and said, this is a terrible time in publishing. Nobody's buying. Nobody's taking new clients. Don't bother to send. And, but the author got up and she said, one thing I remember, don't leave a rejected manuscript on your desk. Mm. And with that little itty bit of hope, just that little itty bit of hope, I wrote up a query letter to another publisher. And waited and waited and waited. Now, I've never seen God's hand in my life, and I have so many times. This is probably the most profound moment. I kept seeing, I kept waiting for the answer to that query letter. And every day, all of those negative voices I heard growing up, Debbie's a nice little girl, but she's there. (laughs) You know, those ugly voices. I couldn't stand. I thought, I don't care if New York wants this manuscript or not, I'm mailing it off. Well, again, Wayne was out of work. He was up in Alaska waiting to go out on the pipeline. The kids and I were living on his unemployment check. I went to the post office and I mailed off that manuscript thinking, oh, I hope I'm doing the right thing. And I get home and there was a letter in the mailbox from the answer to my query letter. 
And right in a Sharpie pen, right across my letter, the editor wrote, do not mail us your manuscript. We are not buying at this time. And I had just spent 10 precious dollars. <sighs> Three weeks later, New York called and bought the book. <gasps> if I had waited a half hour, I would never have mailed off that manuscript. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, there's a very good uh, witness for how God works in our lives. That's that's just stunning. We're going to have to sit here for like 30 seconds to take that in. <laughs> <laughs> so, Debbie, $10, that's a lot of money. I can think of like macaroni and cheese. <laughs> you know? I mean, that you, that you, I mean, what kind of sacrifice was that for your family? That was a huge sacrifice because we were living on $150 a week, which was Wayne's unemployment check. And, you know, he had to have money to live up in Alaska, too. So it was a huge sacrifice. And, you know, I mean, I couldn't afford the shoes for kids for school that year. And here I was spending $10. In fact, when I went home, I just I just said to the Lord, I can't do this anymore. I just can't do this. I mean, it was such a dark moment. And yet, you know, I in faith, God was the one that said, hold on, hold on. Wow. Sunday's coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the advance I got for that book got us through the winter, the whole wow. winter. Oh, oh wow. Did they buy just that one book? They did. And, but they then asked me, do you have anything else? Well, I just so happened. <laughs> Three other manuscripts that had all been rejected. And they looked at them and they said, well, if we'll buy them. And they did one at a time. But I had to rewrite every single one of right. them because it was a learning process. It was a four book right. apprenticeship. Mm. Wow. I'm thinking that they also just really loved the story, you know, uh-huh. that they were they were willing to to hang with you through that. And again, there's God, you know, there's God making a way when there is no way. This is the same manuscript one editor told me to throw away. <laughs> wow. And another editor saw the the story ability. She saw that and had the, the trust and the faith that I could produce a good book. That's a good reminder to us that publishing, it's its not about formulas. It's about the right gathering of the right people. I purchased manuscripts that other editors turned down because I loved them and, and I saw the potential in them. Other authors, okay, true confession time as an editor, I turned down the Mitford series from Jan Karen. But that's because I knew that her series had a character in it that the publishing house I was working for at the time would not have been willing to publish the book. So I let it go. And then it went on to become the big thing. Um, People always ask me, well, don't you regret turning it down? And I said, no, because number one, it wasn't right for our publishing house. And number two, our publishing house would never done with it what that other publishing house did. God knows exactly where it needs to be. God knew when that person said to you, throw it away, God was just standing there and smiling and saying, Debbie, I'm glad your eyes are on me and not on that editor and not on circumstances. You stay focused on me and you're going to be okay. Well, it was hard to hear that at the time. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> in hindsight, grand. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're plucky. <laughs> um, I'm a little bit curious. Now that you've gone on, you've written all of these books, and it sounds like you're doing a magazine now, too. Um, welcome home. What what led you to do that? And tell us a little bit about that. Well, I first of all, I love magazines. And I have <laughs> many subscriptions, and the the uh, turn phrase or that identify is wherever you are, Debbie takes you home. Mm. And this is the way to as I ease into retirement now. This is a way for me to introduce my readers to other writers. So we have lots of interviews with other writers and articles. And instead of, uh, I started out, my daughter says I was social media before there was social media because <laughs> I had learned valuable lessons about being a businesswoman from my father who had his mm. own business. And I knew I had to keep in touch with my readers. And from the very first, from back in the 1980s, I was mailing out newsletters to my readers. Mm. And so this is just the growth of the newsletter that has been expanded to include recipes. I'm all, you know, I'm a frequent eater, so I love, <laughs> I love recipes. And so sharing recipes with my readers, sharing uh, do-it-yourself projects. And I have a whole team of excellent, excellent um, uh, mini editors that, you know, craft this together. And it's, it's uh, been a, a really wonderful experience. Wow. Well, we'll have to also share a, a link to that for yes. subscribing. So yeah, our, we'll do that. our listeners can check that out. It sounds wonderful. In fact, I'll be subscribing. Great. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Debbie, we're, we're coming to an end of our time together. Do you have any final words of wisdom or thoughts that you want to share with our listeners? Well, I do want to say, remember, you are divinely guided. Mm. You will take the right turn in the road. And God will make a way where there is no way. Amen. Amen is right. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at rightfromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. <laughs>